Alright y'all, so today for this rest uh, for this episode of RowResearch.com, I'm here with Ryan and then we have uh, Max Alhaj from uh, Training Think Tank, which is based in Atlanta. Yep. And first we'd really like to thank our sponsors. Uh, the first sponsor is Monocongo. They let us come in during business hours and, and purchase food at the price. The other sponsor that we really want to thank, in Monaco, you guys have one of the best dirty chives in the world. As dirty chai connoisseurs, this is very important. Almost as good as Bethany's. Which is at the, the chip cup, or what was it, the stone cup? Bethany's. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then our other sponsor is? Uh, Beats Headphones. <laughs> we're actually going to speak uh, a little bit to Max about this because we noticed that he doesn't have Beats, uh, and you guys probably can see. Uh, and I want to give you a tip since you're going to drop some knowledge on us. I just want to give you a little little knowledge here. You can go on BeatsHeadphones.com and you can buy the headphones yeah. at full price and you too can be sponsored by Beats. So uh, you might want to look into that. And then we've got one more sponsor for the show as well. Yeah, Ryan and I are actually both sponsored by Purdy Motors, which is the Toyota dealership based out of Santa Cruz. as well. Yeah, yeah. We paid full price for a round four. And uh, they gave us the maintenance package that came with the vehicle. So did you have to pay extra for that? Yeah. Oh, perfect. That's a great sponsorship. Yeah. It's really good. And so to, to kind of segue this into the talk, you, you actually you actually have some some sponsor athletes. Uh, you guys have how many how many guys going to games or how many guys? Uh, we have five individuals, uh, five individual males, individual female, and a team athlete. So seven total athletes at the games this year. And you'll be headed there as well. Yeah. And so, Ryan and I, 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 I've done CrossFit. I've done CrossFit for, for a fairly long stand of time, three, four years. I've done CrossFit, but uh, like, would it name it CrossFit? Yeah. I don't go upside down. <laughs> and so, I think one of the big things in the in the prototypical strength condition community is this fear of the interference effect, yeah. and this idea that if, if, if I walk too much. It's going to interfere with my gains, <laughs> and I think you guys, you have guys doing absolutely insane amounts of volume. Yeah. What is that a question, or is that just I mean, an observation? It's <laughs> interpret it as you like. You yeah. can talk about something completely different if you like. Yeah. You want to throw that one out. But I think we, yeah, we'd like to know. Like, I, that's a big question I have. Is like, it doesn't in a physiology textbook, it doesn't make any sense that a guy could be able to row a, a marathon and then snatch 300 pounds, yeah. let alone in the same damn workout. Yeah. So well, what's I, going on with that? I think that probably for the standard general population of people, the interference effect probably would preclude people from getting the gains they're looking for from a hypertrophy standpoint. But I think when you're, like, I don't know whether it's lucky or just the course of my career allowed me to work with people who are at the wings of the physiological bell curve in terms of what they're capable of doing. So for them, I'm sure some of those interference effect problems that would just be studied and most of the people that are in research are probably gonna be in the sphere of like the normal one standard deviation inside the bell curve. You're probably seeing a lot of the research that's like, well, these people can't do this, it's not possible. But then when you're talking about people who are on the wings of the bell curve, those things just become possible. And I'm sure the same thing would be true like, I mean, you guys focus more on people who are purely focused on hypertrophy. The people who are probably the best, like, aesthetic athletes in the world are probably defying, like, what what is possible, like, what the numbers you are that you have to eat to be able to gain size, or the protocols that you use to gain size. So I think it's more the people that you're seeing at the top level that are defying it, but not necessarily the protocol. It's not like, well, CrossFit's defying science. It's like, well, yeah, there are always some people that defy science if 
the body of scientific research is just going to look at the, the average effect of a certain physiological stimulus. So I think that's just what it is. It's just that these people are just super talented. Whatever you throw at them, they're able to create some sort of hypertrophic effect, and they're still able to get all the metabolic adaptations that are required to just be good at the sport. As long as they work in training. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. They got to be sponsored by he, us. He also called for athletes. Well, you got sponsorships. I do. Yeah, that doesn't make any So, when, from a from an interference effect, do you guys utilize any of that research showing that if you want to prioritize an adaptation, you would do that, you would put that first, and then put the other things that you're maybe trying to maintain? You guys even think in like blocks like that? Yeah. So. Uh, the, the organization is split up into people that are just like have a ton of different backgrounds. So some engineers and sport people, I actually went to school with finance and accounting, and I've been training people since I was really young, but my, my framework is not like physiological. So I don't go into the issue collecting data on, hey, what's happening from, at an internal level, and then how do I change that internal physiology to create performance metrics? But that is how Evan approaches the problem. So we're all coming at it like, all right, People need to get better at these variables, and it kind of happens in tiers. So, like as a lower-level athlete, it's like, all right, you need basic strength metrics. Like you can say deadlift, back squat, bench press, strict press, weighted pull-up, snatch, clean and jerk, power snatch, like whatever you want to kind of put in your bucket. You put people through some testing on that stuff, and then you can use cyclical metrics for endurance. So, like 500-meter row, 1K row, 2K row, 5K row, one-hour row. And you can do that for all the cyclical machines. So you get some sort of an energy system profile from short to long. And then you got to, if you want to get good at CrossFit, you got to actually test the sport also. So put people in like, all right, we have all this data on open tests. Let's do, you know, open tests from 2017, 18, 19, and compare where your scores are relative to what your goals are, and then start to set priorities. And I usually just use it from a, like a statistical perspective. Like where are you farther away from where you need to be at a single, data point and then let's have that be the number one priority. Evan goes at it from like putting moxie on people, figuring out exactly what the physiological limiter is, what's potentially happening and create some sort of a global internal limiter and thinking of the human body as like there's a, a single system limitation that's happening for that athlete and now how do we improve that system so that it transfers into them getting better at the sport. So, the organization kind of is all over the place in terms of how they approach it. We just like shoot ideas at one another or somebody like for myself. If, my, if the density of my scientific knowledge doesn't feel high enough to be able to attack a problem, I'll just bring it to Evan and be like, hey, test, you know, test Travis on the Moxie and kind of tell me what you see because this is what I'm seeing when he does it. So I'll watch postural changes, respiratory changes. I'll ask him about what's happening as he's going. I'll watch his heart rate as he's going, but I might not see the same thing looking at like internal data whereas I'm just like using my eyes, intuition and years of just training experience to say like all right well this is what high level athletes look like when they're near failure and this is what I saw for you at seven minutes into it. So like what was going on there. And then I try to attack it like from a human perspective and from just like a skill perspective, training perspective, race psychology perspective. So um, I don't think I go in as much scientific depth as potentially would be required for an aesthetic athlete, just because 
I don't think there's enough research to say what the fuck's going on in CrossFit. Like, no one studied it at a deep level in the sport so new, so we can't say, like, hey, this is what's happening. I'm just like, all right, well, I don't know what the fuck's happening, but I know what I need as an outcome are these things, so let's create training progressions to attain those things, and then show up on game day and see what happens. So, you know, in a, like, a, a multi-event, event, like, how do you determine what is uh, also sponsored by Hydroflask? Bought that one, 30 bucks. I saw that you put it right in front of the camera. <laughs> yeah. Sneaky. Yeah, well, you know, must have paid double. <laughs> yeah, well, you can, you can buy two uh, for exactly the same price. That's a good deal going on right now. So, buy two for the price of two? Yeah. It's great. It's fantastic. You pay um, shipping for both. And you yeah. can pay shipping for both. Uh, it's, it's a great you deal. I, I like to contribute to the economy as much as possible. <laughs> So, uh, how, you know, how do you go about determining, because there's, there's, I mean, even if you're talking like three exercises in a simple circuit, yeah. right? Like, there could be a multitude of things that could be the reason why that person is crapping out or not giving you the result that you're looking for. So, yeah. now you like put on top of all these different systems and all these different modalities, all these different skills. Like, is that just coach's eye that like, are, like, are you guys using, you guys are working together, I guess, to figure yeah. out like, what do you attack first? Yeah, we do have like, uh, I guess it would be like a data collection system and we are constantly trying to come up with different ways to identify what is the priority to train with any given athlete but they almost always break down like it's a really difficult like an example one like you guys explain your 30 test 30 minutes 30 seconds of of work one minute of rest five different exercises all at a specific weight or a percentage of your body weight we did the same thing with CrossFit. So we said, okay, what are the most common moves tested in a in a in the open? There's like been like 17 that have almost been tested every year. So <laughs> double unders, muscle ups, burpees, uh, thrusters, power snatches, just like the whole list of movements, all at the weights that they've been, you know, approximately at in a competitive setting. We did 30 seconds on, one minute off, or no, we did 60 seconds on, 30 seconds off, and we put all of those minutes back to back in like a. 20-minute-ish test, however long it came out to. But when you're watching people go through it, and we're trying to collect data on it, we put the elites in there, and the elites are just like, they figure every problem out. Like, it's an endurance event, regardless of what the work is that they have to accomplish, they're just the best at doing it. Then you watch other people going, and if they're bad at a specific movement that's in that series of tests, then you know they get to the muscle-ups, and it's basically a minute of rest for them because they didn't get any muscle-ups. So then they get an inflated number as to what yeah. the... So it's, it becomes very difficult to create very clear, delineated, categorizable systems that I could say, hey, here's my model of how I coach an elite athlete, and this is what I'm looking for. It's more so like... All right, I have an elite testing body. We have, like within our network, we have 270 athletes who are individually coached, 150 to 200 that are part of the group. So if we get a test and we're like, all right, this test is, you know, something that you could classify as like an absolute strength endurance test, which is kind of like what you guys have for your test. You know, in CrossFit, it might be like strict handstand push-ups, deadlifts at somewhere between 315 and 405, and... Um, well, let's just keep it as a couplet, those two movements back and forth, you can kind of categorize that into like, okay, this is some sort of absolute strength endurance repeatability test and you have a time frame. But that time frame then breaks down if you're like, all right, well, let's switch the movements and make it burpees and box jumps. Now it's like, all right, well, this is like absolute speed endurance. Is it a purely metabolic test? Is it limited by upper body pressing? Is it limited by hip flexor and core endurance? Like, 
because there are so many variables that go within the testing body, I just think it becomes very difficult to create those systems. And a lot of it is like, all right, you need some experience, you need to have collected data, you need to understand some physiology, you need to understand some of like, uh, I guess like how to break down movement quality. So you need to look at, you need to be able to look at somebody's muscle ups, toes to bar, you need to be able to look at the rep per second and what the normal speed is and just the ability to create velocity when they're fresh. And then what's the deterioration over time and when they're slowing down, what's breaking? Like, is it is it grip endurance limitations? Is it a core limitation? Is their compression bad when their back starts to blow up and it's paired with power snatches? So, a lot of it for me is like we call it a human human centered coaching model, where like we have all these concepts and these data that we want to use to govern training. But a lot of it's like you got to talk to the athlete, get them to report what's going on, and then try to create progressions to find out whatever their pattern limitation is that they're experiencing most regularly when it's like a chaotic environment, that's what I'll create training progressions around until, you know, the variables that we're trying to get better are actually going up. Yeah, we usually <laughs> we'll just uh, we'll do curls, and then when that stops working, we do more curls. Or reverse curls. Reverse curls, cable yeah. curls. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's, I can appreciate just the, just how much goes into it. And yeah. Like how much I see, I think that's kind of why you have to have so many different people involved, like, because there's so much going on. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I think people like us, were like, they saw the CrossFit conundrum, like, ah. This is easy, you yeah, know. It's, it's just like do what? It's it just like aerobic one. fitness with you yeah. know strength, endurance. <laughs> you get stronger, you get more better, right? Because we had there seemed to be this huge shift in CrossFit where like you had all these people getting good at CrossFit by doing CrossFit, yeah. and then the, the, the science people came in and like, oh no, we can do this better. And yeah. we like, don't do CrossFit. Do a do a block periodization yeah, yeah. of work, work on this quality, then yeah. work on that. Didn't work so well, yeah, um, because it seemed like. As much as we may or may not know about, I think we know a lot if you just want to get more powerful. Yeah. Or if you just want to get bigger, like we know how to do that. But yeah. when you're trying to blend all these qualities and you need all of them pretty much, I mean, maybe even all year round now, yeah. that's 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 a that's a different idea. So you want to speak on like that, that was probably, when do you think that happened? Like three to four years ago was the big science craze? Yeah, um, maybe even a little bit earlier. I think there was just such a need for that uh, because the market was prime, like was pretty uneducated. And you know, you could just have, you know, been a, a cat, I was thinking cat litter sales. <laughs> you could have been a cat litter salesman and went and got your level one. Yeah, you go door to door. You go door to door and you sell cat litter. You got a cat? training culture that was going on in like micro gyms like that are actually CrossFit affiliates 
and then CrossFit the sport, which is almost where I've exclusively spent my time. I did a, a little bit of coaching in a box like 2008, but even that was people that wanted to go to regionals or wanted to go to the games. So I always came at it from like a sport performance perspective. And back then, both in the sport and in general training, there was just a lot of like, a lot of stupid shit going on. And maybe some of that stupid shit was necessary to push the boundaries of what was possible, but like, because of the stupid shit that was going on, there was a lot of breakdown in like actual injuries and people not knowing why those injuries were coming because they didn't know enough about biomechanics. There was a lot of endocrine breakdown because people were taking like really fucking stupid nutritional strategies and pairing them with really aggressive energy system training plans, which are probably more aggressive than energy system training plans of like, you know, if you just went online. Wait, you, so you don't use zone paleo? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, I, you guys don't eat like keto. How many blocks do you eat a day? Like five thousand blocks, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, well, I can't count them, but yeah, no, a lot of blocks. Yeah, a lot. Uh, I still don't understand that concept of blocks. I think so you, this, the key with it is you you turn you know you turn viable scientific grams and then you turn it into another thing just to turn it into that, yeah. so that you have a more inaccurate measurement, and then and then it makes. So you had a lot of perhaps bad nutritional, yeah, yeah so you're just saying like there, a pen. There was a need for education and then the education came in and I think because people needed that education because they realized like we didn't really know what was going on, that gave I think too much of a pendulum swing to the other side where we thought, oh, like this could be completely intellectualized. We could completely understand what's going on. And now the people who talk the smartest or had the more letters behind their name or who were the most charismatic on YouTube were then giving training recommendation advice for, for both like, hey, you're in a CrossFit box and you're just using this for your general fitness. And they were giving it to people who are now training like eight hours a day who are training like professional athletes. And they're giving really broad blanket state recommendations based on like one little research piece that they pulled that said this. And I think that started to create its own subset of issues and now the pendulum may be swinging back the other way where it's somewhere more balanced. Where there, yeah, there are people out there thinking about it, but then we also realize that there are some limits to what we can actually understand intellectually because it can't be studied at the highest level. There's not enough data points to go out. I mean, right? we don't even know fatigue is fatigue science is, is one. Of, we don't even know really why people fail. Like, yeah. it's probably mostly like perceived RPE. Yeah. And so that to me was the big breakdown. It's like you have you made, you made these athletes soft. Like their job is like how much pain can they endure and like it. Yeah. And then you took the pain away. Yeah. Because that's what science told you to do. Yeah. And then they came back to their sport, which is the pain came, yeah. and it got worse. Yeah, yeah. So there is, I mean, there definitely is a group of people that are really successful in the sport that has, I mean, I don't want to call it a, a dumb approach, but an approach that seems to have less longevity. For me mm -hmm. as a coach, I'm like, all right, my ultimate goal, if I were coaching somebody in anything, they did more than just like CrossFit, but I'd say, okay, in my own athletic career, each one of my athletic quests when they crashed really fucked me up, like hormonally, physically, and then I left them feeling a lot of resentment and frustration, not just because I didn't attain what the end goal was, but because literally in pursuit of that quest, I just destroyed myself. 
as a coach, then I took that responsibility and said, all right, well, I'm gonna constantly try to do my best to create as much forward progress as I possibly can to try to attain that goal, but also think about the fact that each one of these quests that people are on, so in their like phase of being a CrossFit Games athlete, I know at some point there's gonna be an end to that, and that human story is likely to continue into something else where they're going to need their body, and hopefully I can teach them something about movement, physiology, nutrition, general health, general sleep guidelines, hypertrophy, they, like all of the things that go into actually making a human body physically capable to be good at CrossFit, that they took that learning stuff and moved on, and it's kind of like a seamless step into their next physical quest. I don't know if that's what every coach is doing in the CrossFit sphere. I don't think that. You know, some people like just fucking go hard, go home, like make it crazy, make it chaotic, make it like, you know, make it a beat down. But that can also be successful, especially in the short term, because the truth is like, we don't know what the testing body is. Like the entire sport changed this year. Like now there's 120 athletes going to the games versus 40 last year. We don't know what the scoring system is gonna be like. In the past, it was like 100, and then it would go down to 94 points, and 88, and, and incrementally the point gap got wider. So that meant there was a benefit to winning events, and finishing in the middle of the pack or finishing in the upper middle of the pack didn't really do that much for you. So there's a certain profile of athlete that could do really well on a specific event, and then get an overall pretty high point total, even if they were bombing other events. Now with 120 people, what's the scoring system like? Is it gonna be one point per placing? If that's the case, then the average aggregate of scoring you're gonna get on the subset of events is gonna be a better athlete according to their scoring system versus if they have the old scoring system, like at what point is the, like are the point gaps getting It seems wild not to release that. I know, that I mean, absolutely yeah. there's a lot of people who are pissed about it, but I mean, I'm just kinda like, I don't know, whatever, I gotta get people fit doing thrusters, burpees, pull-ups, running, swimming, and then just fucking show up and see what happens. Well, you always seem like nonchalant about this stuff, and I can tell that you love it. Like, yeah. like, people love to talk shit about CrossFit, but like, we were talking today, like we're doing this 30-60 test, and we're both feeling pretty good at it, like we yeah. can rep out, but we, we would probably get our ass kicked. <laughs> like, like, sure. like there, there's no one in the world that's better at kind of creating, like how much work these guys produce yeah. is actually, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's a, I think where it gets a bad name is like where people are doing it for fitness just in itself, and then it's just like doing random shit, you know. Yeah. So like, what do you like? What do you see as uh, like the separation there? Like, is there like going from fitness person to athlete, like a CrossFit athlete? Yeah. Like, where's the delineation? Because I, I think like the the <laughs> the statement on like you know CrossFit. Com. I, yeah. I just like throw a dot com on, yeah. on whatever name it is that, yeah. that I think it still works that way, right? Isn't it just like, hey, there's no, we, I don't care if you're an athlete, a football player, a soccer mom, whatever, yeah. like you just do the same thing, right? So how do you guys approach it differently for yeah. people? Uh, it is definitely complicated, and I don't, like, I don't, my level one is expired, so I don't really consider myself like. So you don't do CrossFit? <laughs> it's yes, all time. Technically you, not. You yeah. Don't, okay, so you don't even CrossFit. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it is, it's kind of ambiguous and arbitrary. So like CrossFit, the, you can say like, all right, well, what has Greg Glassman said in the interviews? And like, well, that's CrossFit because he's the founder and he's the sole controller of the ideology. But then there's also like, well, he's put out papers in the past in the CrossFit Journal trying to de define what exactly it is. Or the level one has different models of teaching. One of the models is like, 
we're going to put a bunch of stuff into a hopper and just spin it around and pull it out and the people that can do well at all of the things that come out of that hopper are fit according to our definition or they have another model that has like a bunch of different general skills of like physical qualities that you get better at and if you get better at all those qualities then you are therefore more physically capable or more fit according to their definition some of the things that they put out from an ideological perspective that were created in like the early 2000s or maybe the late 90s, I look at and I'm like, man, that's that's a beautiful strength and conditioning model that's really elegant if you can apply it. The problem is the actual application of that, right? Like for, if you go into a normal CrossFit gym, the general prescriptive model is do a strength thing, but all of the strength thing is based off of either weightlifting, powerlifting, just like two barbell exercises. And then plus a Metcon, some sort of a watt. And and they claim constant variance, but the reality is most people, like if you showed up to a gym and the workout was 90 seconds long, and it was just like 30 seconds max reps this, 30 seconds max reps this, 30 seconds max reps this, and that's the end of the workout, and everything else is just accessory work and easy aerobic work, then you start to get complaints from the people that show up because the culture is bred to want to suffer. So if they come in and they feel like they didn't suffer enough, then they feel like they didn't get their exercise fix, and then they therefore put pressure on the ownership to create a like a different model of fitness. So I think that's kind of inherently the problem. In, in the sport, it's pretty easy to just say, all right, you're trying to get better at the competition you're going to. You can measure it by like your, your, world, play, your world open placing, your national championship open placing. You can get some proxies for what you consider being a good athlete based on the things that you're not good at. So like, you know, how many muscle-ups can you do unbroken? Or what can you do this, you know, 15.5 workout in? Or how many unbroken touch-to-go power snatches can you do in a minute? Or whatever variables you want to do. And then it's very easy to kind of get that better. When it becomes a general fitness thing, it's like, all right, well, what's fitness to you? Like, is fitness looking good and feeling good? Is it moving well? Is it being good at like exercise racing? Because to me, I'm like, that's like, as a general health model, like just being really good at thrusters and pull-ups, I'm not sure if that's gonna be enough to tell somebody they're fit and healthy. But from a sport perspective, I think everything that we do is fucking crazy. Like, you know, bodybuilders, like yeah, you fucking, sport. yeah, like sure, sure. diet down really like, fucking yeah. hard, fuck your hormones up, yeah. go on stage on a bikini, yeah. All it's out it's weird that CrossFit gets so much shit, but they'll like go some same people love football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you think yeah. that's healthy? Yeah. Like I mean, yeah. so it's it, at that point, it's a sport. Yeah. So, so I think I, I I'm in the, in massive agreement that there needs to at some point be some sort of a clear separation between what is sport and what is a general fitness program. And I think some of that's going to come down to defining like well, what's important for people from a fitness perspective. And I don't think most of it is going to be racing shit for time on a stopwatch yeah. that you find in the gym. But the people that complain about the, essentially the novelty of CrossFit, the, so we have the sport, which you primarily work in, the sport of CrossFit, and then we have we have all the other shit that everyone does for a group, for the general population. Yeah. There's a lot of shit out there other than CrossFit. Like, yeah, sure. And so I think people are inherently going to be drawn to novelty, and one thing that CrossFit's done better than any other any other fitness modality is create community and create a group of people that want to suffer together. Yeah. And and so it's it's interesting to me that where where is this going? Because now you have this whole structure 
of boxes that people want that, right? And it doesn't, you create a giant graveyard. From a business standpoint, it's kind of a conundrum because you have to give them what they want. Yeah. And then by giving them what they want, they are probably going to have to move because they are going to get hurt. So it's almost like you have to trick them yeah. with sound thing, sound strength conditioning principles. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, the the people that I've been around for years that have really successful affiliates, because I've always done kind of like education and consulting on program design in the sphere, in like it almost is inevitable that you start with just the chaos model and then you go towards a very structured, like almost scientific periodization based model and you shift somewhere back on the pendulum to be some sort of balanced spot in between. And I think the people that are good cultural for their systems, they can figure it out if they have the equipment that is required. So they have different strength models where it's not just overloading people. Like, how many 50-year-old people without an extensive sport background should be snatching? Like, I, I mean, I don't think the number is very high. I mean, you could do whatever the fuck you want. But Unless just, they like, really want to Yeah, snatch. that's what I'm, yeah, but like in order to just be fit and healthy, like that number is probably like really low on the percentage scale. But then they start to incorporate heavy carries, heavy drags, they get D-balls in larger numbers, and they figure out ways to create some sort of a varied strength stimulus without overloading the patterns that people just don't have any business doing. The percentage of those people as a percentage of the community is probably very similar to like if you take like how many just normal personal trainers that are all educated with the same scientific background, NSCA, CSCS, NASM, CPT, like whatever, like whichever things that you respect, if you took that body of people and you really dug into their knowledge base and what they were doing on a regular basis, you'd probably find that like 20% of them were really confident, really good, making a good change. If yeah, if that, yeah, and then the other 80 are probably maybe doing more harm than good. Whatever the percentage is and like, your quote-unquote part of the fitness world, I'm sure it's the same in the CrossFit world. It's just that the potential for risk is probably way higher in the CrossFit setting just because, like, you know, the forces on your shoulders doing bar muscle-ups when you're sweaty and, like, you know, the potential to fall off the bar is, is just way higher than doing lat pull-downs on a machine. So I think, hopefully, over time, that inherent risk that's built into a sport that is being used as a fitness program will eventually make more of an impetus for there to be an educational like movement to make people smarter in how they approach it. I, th I think there will. It's, yeah. It seems like it's it's going that direction. I mean, it, enough people are getting hurt and frustrated that it's, it's probably going to have to go that direction anyway. And I think I think part of the responsibility is on the user too. Like, you know, no one likes to be told what they can't do. Like, everyone likes wants to be able to do what everyone else can do. But it's like. You guys went surfing this week. Yeah. Did you start in the white water? Like, no. Like, <laughs> what well, did you start in the white water? I don't know. White water is the, the high waves. No, no, no. Yeah. So I'm not sure how to describe. You started in water that didn't have we a lot didn't, of waves. Yeah. We didn't start in the ten. It may have been white. It may have been blue. The color is irrelevant. Yeah. Uh, it's all perception. So you guys started with where where you're at. Yeah. Like you know, like, they didn't take you out to the big waves on day one. Um, that's something that I would do. That's something that I have done. And I can tell you it was not a fun experience. Uh, Michael Lexner can second that. But I think that part of it is, like, if you're going to be a stubborn asshole and be pissed off about the people that are, like, out there surfing on the waves and just like, well, I'm going to do it. Like, uh, 
you know what, go do it. Like, but I think it's part of your responsibility as the user to say, hey, like, I'm not there yet. Like, yeah. I can't put my damn arms overhead. Like, why? And so I think that there's like it has to meet halfway, right? Yeah. Like, where the 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 trainer or the coach has to say, hey, like, let me show you that may be like not ready for this but you can do all of this yeah. like there's all this other shit especially crossfit there's so many damn things you could do like yeah. and there's so many other ways you like you can get fit within even within that that realm yeah. um you can still come to class but like you know maybe you just got to modify some things and then you build up and like i think that's kind of like our instant gratification world right now is that everyone wants to be able to do everything so it's it's like it's you know both sides are responsible but it's cool to see like you know i got to watch you do your movement prep stuff and, yeah. and like there's a clear model there, yeah, and I and I hope that that exists in more. Yeah, I mean, I know kids. there are other models, um, and I know there are a lot of people that are trying to move that forward. But I think it's human nature. Like I remember during your talk, you talked about how easy it is to create a simple story for people to attach themselves to, but real expertise or real like real expertise is a complex process, and it requires decades of experience and decades of data. And really can't put that into a simple framework unless you're a poet or somebody that has some sort of an ability to create these really complex and elaborate concepts and turn them into very short and easily understandable metaphors. And like, I'm not a poet, I'm a fucking coach. So there's always going to be, I think, some sort of a discrepancy in terms of what's popular in the fitness market, which is generally going to be the people that are most marketable, that are telling the most simple stories, that are telling people exciting things like... You know, if I said, if a normal person came to me and they could barely move well, and I, you know, take them through my normal movement screen and my normal general basic, like, here's my starting point of just well-rounded fitness metric tests, which doesn't include any CrossFit tests to start. It's all just basic strength, basic gymnastic strength, and basic cyclical conditioning metrics, and then it the screen. If I put people through that, before they go to the second phase of testing, which is more advanced and more, like, actual, yeah, more mixed mode stuff to like see what they're like when it's up for time test. And I'm like, all right, you're five years away from even starting to do high-level CrossFit. Most people are like, all right, see you later. Because they have an alternative to go somewhere else and just fucking jump into the fire. And most people, I think, they want to get burned. Like, as much as we say we don't, they're almost seeking pain and suffering to be part of what the elite athletes are experiencing the same thing like you know people want to fight and people want to go and be part of fighting cultures and then like the bruises and being up and getting joints dislocated almost makes you feel as if you're part of the elite brother yeah. but even if it's not really true because like while well, you suck and like you're not actually getting better you you're just getting being, because you yeah. keep getting punched in the face <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. you're really so, bad yeah so, so like yeah, maybe yeah. you should back off learn the skill sets and then figure out a way to balance like when you spar, when you go hard, when you condition, when you drill with somebody, but that model's just very, very hard to sell and very hard to conceptualize in quick words to get people bought into it. I think you just gotta show it through like longevity and results. It's just like, all right, people come in, they come into the system, they stay healthy longer than their counterparts, not forever, because who's fucking stay healthy forever, but they stay healthier longer, they progress for longer, they enjoy what they're doing for longer because they keep their motivation because they're not destroying their internal health metrics. And you do that for long enough, at least my hope is that that in and of itself will just be like a system that will, you know, grow maybe less of an exponential curve and more just sustain. Yeah. I think in business like we're so we're so worried about growth, but like I think sustainability, if you're happy with where you're at and you got just delivering that big product. 
and then doing good art, right? I think what I've learned from you guys in this last week is like you enjoy making good art, and your athletes are your art. Yeah. And it's like when you were talking, I, immediately I was like, the simple side of simple is dangerous. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of people in CrossFit selling the simple side of simple. Yeah. But if you can get over to that simple side of complexity, which I think is that like poetic, more, more like Ronnie Coleman, like how do you get bigger? More reps. <laughs> you lift as much weight as possible <laughs> for as many reps as possible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that, that is, that that is kind of bodybuilding yeah. poetry, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and so to me, it's, it's, it's really interesting to, to see you guys kind of in your dynamic. Because you're both super, you and Evan and Mike are all super humble. And like, you generally, you have this beginner's mindset. And like, hey, you go. You know a lot, yeah. but it's, it's like, hey, you had Ryan coach you on the deadlift. Yeah. Um, and there's always more to learn, so I so I love that about this whole event. And one of the things that happens for us is we're always trying to find limiters, and so the limiter for muscle seems to be joints. Yeah. So that seems to be the biggest. Like, if we can keep your elbows and your knees healthy, you're probably going to be able to take a ton of off. Yeah. And so that kind of moves us away from a ton of the compound lifts because we have to get so many sets in per week yeah. to progress. What do you what do you see as a limiter with, with your athletes? What, is, what systems is it? Uh, man, I think it's different for different people depending on where like what the training background is, where they came from, but I think joints is one. Uh, and the second would be endocrine system. Um, so they just, like, you're talking like non-functional reaching, like yeah. OTS type stuff? Yeah, they just, they beat the shit out of themselves to the point where they, like, can't get out of the hole. And you, like, it doesn't even necessarily need to be, like, you saw it in blood work, but they literally don't have the adaptive capacity to sustain the Which is the definition of overtraining, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's a decrement in performance with an increase in volume. Yeah, so then they, they back their volume back off, and they try to ramp it back up, because you know what they, like, even the low volume games athletes are still training in pretty fucking high volume. Yeah. It's like, they call them like, oh, those guys are high volume. I'm like, yeah, but your baseline level of volume is like 10 times what a normal trainee is doing. So you're still training a lot and they just can't get back up to it. Like the second they start to try to escalate their volume, they're tired all the time, their sleep gets disrupted, they start to get anxious, they start to lose their appetite. And then, you know. What do you think is going on? Who knows? I mean, I, I think inherently, we were talking about, uh, I forget with Andy Bolton or something. He's like, he's got these huge joints. First time he pulled, he pulled 500 pounds. Like, I think the human body, like whether it's genetic expression or a combination of nature and nurture, that whatever genes you have and whatever early training you do, they set you up with some sort of general physical characteristics and physical traits. Some people, they just don't have all of the internal systems that are required to handle all of the physical stressors, which is like neurological stress from lifting super heavy, actual soft tissue, connective tissue, joint stress from like a kipping pull-up is super, super hard on your shoulder girdle if you're doing that full speed because you're essentially dropping from like where your chest is here in an arch all the way down into like full overhead shoulder flexion at maximum speed and then telling it once you hit the bottom, you change direction. It's like that's it's like the same thing as like the, the frequency of, of uh, labral tears in the shoulder doing that is probably similar to like when people start to get older and start to do sprinting and they're constantly tearing their hamstrings. Like, oh, I don't sprint anymore. Like my body can't handle it. 
So I think that we just inherently, for whatever reason, whether it's nature or nurture, we have a subset of things that we can handle physically. And the people that are best suited to do CrossFit at a competitive level are not really great at any of those physical things. Like if it was a, a music equalizer and you have all these dials of like, what's your potential for strength, endurance, movement quality, racing, emotional stress, digestive capacity in terms of like how much food can you take up. They're not really high on any of them, but they've got them all pushed up to like the 80th and 90th percentile. And I think what CrossFit actually does is it probably exposes the things that you don't have and allows you to self-select a fitness regime that makes a little bit more sense for what you do have physically. And people generally just start to self-select into like, okay, well, you know, powerlifting. Like I, I can, I can handle the. I, I like how it makes me feel. It makes me stronger. I can tolerate that. The volume's low enough, and I need to do that to be able to feel fulfilled for the rest of my life. So they do that. People who can't handle the joint stress, like they shift into maybe like endurance running or 5K running. And uh, I think that really is the primary dictator. It's like what we don't know. It's like genes or training background or psychology or biopsychosocial model, all of those things wrapped together kind of dictates who's going to be successful and for how long. But I don't have the answer as to what triggers that. I think you can train it a little bit, but the people that I coach that are at the highest level, they're fucking, they're just freaks. Like, they're freaks in a different way, because I've also trained with freaks, like, I've trained with people who have 40 inch burns and have 400 pound power cleans and like I spent we time, <laughs> yeah, like, like, and then I, I've seen people like friends of mine who walk around sub 10% body fat who eat pizza and Oreos every night who, who are super heavily muscled that don't even lift weights, like they surf and do other stuff. So like, I think in some ways we, uh, we overemphasize what the training, nutrition, sleep and conscious processes that we're going after overemphasize what type of impact that has on what you're seeing physically in the body. I think a lot of that is like, it's uncontrollable, and what we're really doing with our conscious behaviors and approaches is like 20% of the equation. 80% is just like, who you are. Yeah, I would disagree with that. In, in the, I think if you're talking about getting to an elite level, most elites are, are successful in spite of their training. Yeah. Like, about most sports, like they're they're successful in spite of their nutrition, in spite of their training. I think, like I'm an average Joe. Like I was, I was a decent athlete when I was little, and I just outworked everyone yeah. in the weight room. And so, like I'm, I wasn't able to succeed in any sport. I played D3 baseball. Like I'm the, I was decent, right? Um, so I wasn't able to see, succeed in any sport, but I got pretty good in the weight room as a chubby six, like going from a chubby sixth grader. And I've seen that a lot yeah. in that people can, in, in terms of just the weight room and just strength conditioning, people can completely change their bodies. But when you get to those elite levels, yeah. that's when it, so I think, I don't want to give people who are listening like an excuse like 80% of your results are genetic. Yeah. You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, because, because All right, I'll retract that statement. Maybe it's not 80%. Genetics definitely play a role, but people to me pull the genetics card way before they need, yeah. like, way before they have. Well, I'm not even I sure it's appropriate it. CrossFit either. Because yeah. it's a different game. It's not like, like, 
you know, like how much does hand-eye coordination have to do with like a good tennis player? Like yeah. it's a shit ton, and that's like genetic. Like yeah. that's something that you can't. Well, change. it's like baseball and vision, right? Yeah, like, right. If like, you yeah. wanted to be, if you, the odds of you being really good at baseball without insane vision is, is yeah. pretty low. The uh, whether or not we disagree on that issue, my contention to those people, because I know the, that that personality type, and it's huge in the like. In the just general culture, not just fitness. Well, probably people, people coming at your athletes too, like, hey man, yeah. this is all genetic. Yeah, it's all genetic. Yeah, either that or drugs. Like, yeah, yeah, those yeah, are the yeah, two yeah. common ones. I always ask those people, I'm like, all right, fine, maybe it is all genetic and you're putting in 10 times more work and getting half the results. But if you don't do shit, you're worse than if you do shit. So just do it anyway, regardless of what the percentage outcome is. And then just change your goals so they're more appropriate and attainable and stop having this, like, you know, dreamers mentality that, oh, you know, I'm 30 years old and I just got across the number of eight games. I'm like, no, you're not. But if you wanted to get good and you wanted to just be a fun outlet and want to be able to go to competitions and do all of that stuff, you might have genetic limitations that make us have to go through some creative program design prescriptions to try to figure out a way to up your volume in lower intensity ways or make you figure out how to go faster without handling as much volume. There are ways and strategies to do it, but when you get to the wings of the curve, I, I do think it is just like, you know, Ronnie Coleman is, is Ronnie Coleman. Like. <laughs> the 1% of the 1%. Yeah. And, and I think that's the problem with, with social media right now is that everybody wants to be that 1%. And it is, right? You can't be like a button. Follow me. Now you're a follower. Follow you back. Sponsored. If you're, yeah, I won't go there. Does that count as a sponsorship if you follow someone? I think I, my girlfriend is technically sponsored by Baker Baker. No, he unfollowed her. Oh, never mind. Uh, What's up, Baker? <laughs> I like how you looked in the looked in the microphone. Oh, it's not. I don't really want him to know who I am. I don't want him to see I'm sure he's not listening. Well, you know, we talked. I think we were talking to Evan the other day about like kind of what's weird about CrossFit right now is like. Uh, people think they can do it, like, and I think a lot, maybe a lot of that has to do with like being able to train with like the top athletes. Like, yeah. you can go to your gym, right, and like you could, there could be like regular people, and then there's like some of the top athletes, and they're like using the same barbell. So yeah. it makes you feel like, oh shit, like maybe I can. I'm doing the same workout. Like, yeah. why, why like can't take I? Take BP. That was so what would you say? Like, what would you say to that? Like, I mean, like, is that uh, you think that's part of why? Like, what what is it about? Because I don't think people that like pick yeah. up baseball like think that they're gonna be like in the MLB. Like, is yeah. that what it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you know, uh, the sport. Yeah, and, yeah you start uh, playing like, football at thirty, you're not like, man, yeah. I'm gonna make it. Yeah. I, I gotta be. I'm gonna so be what, a running back when I'm thirty-five. Yeah. There's no running back still around at thirty-five. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm gonna be I'll that be guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think it's just that some of the skills are easily attainable, right? Like uh, doing a 95 pound thruster, when you watch somebody on ESPN do it, you're like, oh, I could do that. Uh, you yeah. don't realize how fast they're doing and how many they're doing. I definitely said that <laughs> myself before. Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah, and the truth is there probably, especially in the early days, there were people that saw it and said, I could do that. And then within a couple of years, were games after this. Yeah. But as the sport becomes more mature and it becomes more evolved, it's like, you know, it's like anything else. The gap is widening so far that it's becoming a little bit easier to be like, all right, you know, like, that person snatches 100 more pounds than you, and like, <laughs> they run a mile three minutes faster, like, you know, maybe you should work on that for a while before you try to say, I want to make the game. Yeah. Um, I remember 2014, like, 
you would watch the game, you guys do stuff, and like there would be, I, not to be a dick, but like there would be people on my gym, on my team, that would beat games athletes on certain workouts. Yeah. Like it was, it was that attainable, and I think that level of attainability is like I, I could beat them in this one workout because yeah. I was really good at these two things that were put together. Yeah, and that has gone away. Yeah, yeah. I think that you know, like uh, maybe a similar sport would be something like golf. Because yeah. there are people with a 300 uh, yeah. pound drive that are like, oh, I could play with the pros. Or people that can go. I like how you said 300 pound. Or sorry, 300 yard. 300 pound, pound drivers. Yes. <laughs> that sounds impressive. Yeah. I think I might be able to do that. Yeah, no, yeah so they like, just feel like, it, yeah, like a player. Yeah, that can do a singular skill. But if you actually like took them to Bethpage Black when it was set up to be an actual PGA tournament and you actually had them play under, under competitive pressure, I think they did that at one of the US Open. They took scratch golfers and just put them in. They put, I think they took 10 handicaps, and the bet was that we couldn't break 100, and none of the 10 handicaps broke 100 set up for actual tournament conditions. And I think that it's like the same kind of thing. It's like that is one of the things that wraps people into it. You get so excited. It's just like, oh, I, you know, I can compete. I can do this with them. And in a three-minute workout, I'm only 15 seconds off. But, yeah, like, oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they did like, that workout out of seven yeah. other workouts. Yeah. So there's a positive side of that, though, because it does give people motivation to do shit that they probably wouldn't have done before. But the downside... The four-minute mile aspect of CrossFit is pretty cool. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. now there's legitimately people running five-minute miles and then taking like yeah. two-minute rest and snatching them around. Like that, that person exists, yeah, yeah. Which, is, which is pretty wild. Yeah. The takeaway... I mean, my entire training model is not really based on CrossFit, but like when you guys said, oh, the... Uh, the joints become the major limitation in hypertrophy gains for people. My first thought was like, all right, well maybe you could use like real gymnastics protocols, real end range strengthening stuff, like real brachialis training and ring strength and stuff like that to strengthen connective tissue to be able to create higher work capacity in like some sort of fluctuating, like, you know, you do four weeks of this, four weeks of heavy training, four weeks of this, four weeks of heavy training to increase work capacity. It's just that your work capacity is different than what I'm aiming for in a work capacity yeah. setting. You're trying to get mechanical stress isolated on specific joints to create specific growth and specific muscles and then we're doing like racing with specific movements that need to be done in full time. But just basically using I don't know, whatever came from the whole CrossFit of like losing some of the categorization systems, like what's strength, what's energy system, what's movement, what's all of these things. There are probably some aspects of that that could be beneficial to other communities. Similarly, like I, you know, like you come from a powerlifting background, and like even though I was really strong and have done deadlifts in my background and have done touch and go deadlifts, I'm like, well, there's some nuance that your level of expertise is going to add to my model. And so I take things from you, and I think the similar is that there will be some sort of a transfer back and forth, and eventually, hopefully, the fitness community just like gets better as a whole. Yeah. It's not like CrossFit first power, like CrossFit first. Yeah, uh, draw a bigger circle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. We all love exercise. Yeah. yeah. I've never even thought of that. Like, what, we, what yeah. we think about from a connective tissue standpoint is like, that's why we try to stay over 70% of one RM. Yeah, to keep the volume of contraction. No, because that's what you're going to have. That's the RM where they find collagen adaptations. Oh. So that's kind of the risk for those guys who live at those low RMs and then they go into a powerlifting do something stupid and boom, they well something yeah. out. Because they're not used to training at those far IMs. But I have no, like, yeah, that's a really different concept. I, that's, yeah. that's pretty cool. I, yeah, yeah, I mean, that might be something that, that would be worth yeah. looking into. Because, like, the amount of, the amount of those gymnasts' elbows, 
by my company training <laughs> I pay for everything. <laughs> uh, we have a YouTube channel that's training think tank, Instagram that's training think tank, and then our website's trainingthinktank.com and that's pretty much where everything is housed. Are you currently taking on athletes? Um, I will take on athletes that are either like that are special projects. Personally I'm not. We do have nine coaches at TTC that all have a couple spots available. Um, which you can just go onto the website, click on find a higher coach, it kind of explains our coaching process, and then if that's something you're interested in, just fill it out. And then we also have an online training program for CrossFitters that's more um, just a, it's like a group program that is designed to help you get better at competitive CrossFit. So, you know, there's obviously some limitations to a group-based model. If you don't have the skills down, like you can't snatch, you can't, do muscle ups, you can't do chest to bar pull ups, and that's probably not the route you go. You go the individual route, but if you have enough of the background in CrossFit, you just need some sort of structure to follow. It runs in eight week training cycles, well, 16 week training cycles that are like two eight week training phases with a one week break in between. Really change like the structure of what we're doing in each week, and we have a movement checklist to make sure that everything's trained within the course of the week uh, that has been out in a in a qualifier based tester. So that's like, it's called the design, it's on our website, and that kind of is the, I guess, the lower cost coaching option for people that just want to like, you know, maybe dabble in CrossFit or pick and choose workouts or something like that. Cool. Cool. Thanks. 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 Chilling here in the video. Am I? Yeah, she's chilling. <laughs> 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 